On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. First of all, in studio, we're joined by the leader of Sinn Féin, Mary Lou MacDonald, TD. Mary Lou, good afternoon. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for coming in to talk to us this lunchtime. Uh, there's plenty to talk to you about, but I want to start with matters uh, north of the border, first of all. Um, we don't yet have a date for an election, for fresh elections to the Stormont Assembly. Would you like to see one set? Well, what I want to see set and what's necessary is now a very clear plan of action from the British government, as your listeners probably know, Gavin, um, because the DUP have not come back into the institutions. We've no executive. We've gone since May with no government in the north. And the clock has now run out. And according to the rule book and the law, <clears throat> there now needs to be an election. Mm. We had suspected that that might happen this side of Christmas. The British government have said that that will now not be the case. So we now know what they are not going to do. Uh, but what we really need is a sense of purpose and clarity as to what happens next. So what should happen next is early uh, this week, the British government should set out their plan of negotiation, their timetable to resolve the the issues around the protocol, which, by the way, is working, but it's a case of smoothing out its application mm. and giving a timetable for getting the executive uh, up and running. But the truth is, if we can't get government back up and running, then it is a case of a fresh election. And then that raises the question, well, what happens on the back of that what if mm. on the far side uh, of an election, the DUP still says, no, we are boycotting government. We will not go into power sharing. Mm. And in that scenario, uh, and you'll have heard me say this uh, and raise this with the Taoiseach and mm. the Dáil, in that scenario, there has to be real clarity between the two governments that we are not going to stay in perpetual stalemate and limbo, yeah. but that, in fact, they have the alternative partnership arrangement because we're in a cost of living crisis. I mean, people, families and businesses don't have the luxury of sitting back mm. and just, you know, indefinitely yeah. allowing the DUP you, to frustrate government. You've just referred to it as a partnership arrangement. You'd previously described it as joint authority. Joint authority, yeah. 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 What, what does joint authority look like in your mind? Is it effectively joint custody to two governments working hand in hand to make decisions? Well, I think, in my view, that's what that's what it ought to be because the, the premise of the peace settlement of the the apparatus of the Good uh, Friday Agreement is power sharing between the parties in the North, mm. but also a, a strong partnership between the two sovereign governments. Mm. But some people would hear joint authority as being like joint custody and they'd say that's fundamentally against Good Friday because Good Friday does also establish that Northern Ireland is British until its people say otherwise. Well, look, the the, the issue of um, of the, the, the British currently holding uh, jurisdiction isn't in dispute, but I think what's not in dispute either is that last May's election was an absolute game changer. I mean, the unionist majority is gone. It's been gone for a number mm. of electoral contests. Michelle O'Neill now for the first time, the first time a Republican, a nationalist, stands as first minister-elect. Alliance had a very good day. The, 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 the change in the North has been really, really significant and that too mm. needs to be reflected. But in any event, whatever term we use, mm. the reality if we don't have power sharing in the North, it will not simply lapse back to direct rule from London, which I suspect some of our unionist friends might wish for. Uh, we're not turning the clock back. Mm. We have to deal with the reality that partnership is the only way forward. And by the way, back in 2006, in the dim and distant past, when there were uh, issues arising uh, w with the agreement at that stage, 
Dublin and London said very publicly that they were advancing proposals around a partnership arrangement. So I I think it's very important Mm. for the Taoiseach and for the governments to be working on that. But the first option and the best outcome is that we get the executive Mm. up and running. Uh, You and Michelle O'Neill both yesterday at various times accused the DUP of not wanting to go into an executive, not necessarily because of concerns about the protocol, but simply because they did not want to be part of an executive that had a nationalist as first minister. What gives you reason to say that? Um, I, I, I am very struck at the fact that um, they have used the protocol, as I see it, as a fig leaf for not participating in, in parishing. Just remember, Jeffrey Donaldson, not so long ago, the leader of the DUP, was advancing a position correctly, in my view, that the protocol in and of itself didn't affect the constitutional status Mm. of the North. And he was even going so far as to say and acknowledge that business and other sectors saw a win, an advantage for the North to stay within the single market uh, for goods. Mm. But then he may have seen how it's worked out and and how a British boat can't go off and go and fish in British waters without being treated as foreign when it comes back. Well, well, no, I I don't think that that is uh, the case. And even those who advance issues around the protocol and its implementation will still tell you and acknowledge in the round it's working. And furthermore, that it's necessary after Brexit. So I, I, I don't accept that that okay. is, is the sea change. But, I, but they, I think they did pull down the executive, though, while they themselves held the role of First Minister. And they're only doing now what they said they were going to do before the election in May anyway. So what gives you grounds to say that they're refusing to play well, ball look, they now were, they simply had, because of who they gets had, the First Minister? They had job? other unionist elements at the time before that election as they saw it breathing down their neck. I think they played for their electoral positioning and for their electoral campaign rather than what was good for the north uh, of Ireland. And now the election has come and gone and Michelle has uh, stands as First Minister-designate. And there is a question mm. for the DUP to demonstrate that they are in fact prepared to nominate and to serve as Deputy First Minister with a nationalist or Republican, with Michelle mm. O'Neill as it happens what difference in does the it make, top job. In truth, because you previously described her as being joint First Minister anyway. It's, it's it a joint it's, office. She sits at a different chair. It is a joint office. Uh, of that there is no doubt. And in, in my strong view, that's the way it, it should be. Mm. But it is a historic first and something of note that for the first time, the person who is First Minister mm. in the in the top job, if you like, uh, is a nationalist and a republican, and it's it's a, a marker, Gavin, of change, of progress, in in my view, and I think it's very important because power sharing and the whole peace arrangement is based on uh, sharing and parity of esteem and equality, and really having uh, uh, in first as first minister a, a nationalist and a republican. I think sends out a, a message of equality and progress to wider okay. uh, society. If we're wrong, by the way. Um, and if the if if that's not an issue for the DUP, well, then mm. they need to step forward, nominate, serve with with Michelle, and get the job done on behalf of the people. Uh, can I ask you about uh, matters closer to your own home base in Dublin? And ask you when you first became aware of Jonathan Dowdall's involvement in or any links to criminality. In 2016, he had left uh, Sinn Fein in 2015. Mm. Um, Having been elected in 2014. That's yeah. correct. Um, and the first I knew of any of this was when he had been arrested for a different offence. Okay. Um, and I was very, very shocked 
by that. Um, I, I have to say prior to that, he had been a, a person running a very successful business with very high level contracts, employing a lot of people. And certainly there would have been no indication for me or for anybody else mm. that he would be I- involved in this type so of activity. At the time of his resignation from the party, you had absolutely no absolutely knowledge Absolutely no idea. And let me tell you, Gavin, had I had even an inkling that he was involved uh, in any form of criminality, much less what, what he, he yeah. now stands accused of, uh, he wouldn't have been within a roar of me and or, or uh, mm. within Sinn Féin. We now know that he waterboarded somebody while yes. he was a serving Sinn Féin councillor. Well, he he was he was uh, I th- I think that that matter came to light in twenty sixteen. Mm. So you had absolutely no knowledge at all of him being involved in anything towards at the time of his departure. Absolutely, because none whatsoever. Because it's transpired that if if one goes bar- back and looks at a lot of uh, contemporaneous court reporting that he's been involved or has had some involvement in criminal elements in the North Inner City since he was a teenager. Well, so you weren't uh, well, aware of that at the time well, of his I, I don't Actually, I don't even know that now. Um, and uh, certainly, no, I was not aware of it. Absolutely uh, not. There's been calls for you to clarify uh, what you did with a thousand euro donation, a political donation that he made to you in 2011, which was a general election year. Well, the that? donation was made to the Dublin Central constituency. I mean, it was uh, reported as per the rules and regulations in SIPO. Mm. Um, and it would have been spent on legitimate political expenses and probably election expenses. Mm. And, and just remember, at the time, it was a perfectly legal, legitimate mm. uh, contribution. And it was it was a general election year. So uh, yeah, absolutely. And at the time, um, I mean, it, it's great to have the, the value of hindsight, mm. but I simply had no awareness. And if you think about it logically, had I known, why on earth would I have somebody who was involved in any form of criminality, much less uh, any link to gangland, mm. uh, why would I have them anywhere near me? I simply I simply would not, or near Sinn Féin. So, well, you say that you wouldn't have any place for them anywhere near you or Sinn Féin, and yet there's a fellow member of your parliamentary party who has served 10 years in jail for possession of explosives. There's a former member of your parliamentary party who's had a similar sentence for a similar crime. There's a former... MEP who has been convicted of conspiring to cause explosions in England. Well, Why I is think, it okay to have their criminal records? Well, hang not? on, I, I think um, if, if we're going to talk about things that happened in the course of the conflict, <clears throat> that's one thing, that's one discussion. But I have to say to you, Gavin, as somebody who represents the North Inner City of Dublin and who has seen and sees at first hand the damage, the corrosive damage that gangland, so-called, has caused to communi- caused to communities. There is absolutely no comparison. Well, I, I don't think anyone would would dispute the damage that gangland has caused to the North Inner City and beyond. But there'd be many people listening today or, or elsewhere in society who would say that crime is crime. Well, Margaret Thatcher co- coined that phrase. So if you're if you're of that mind, you're of that mind. But I would say to you that things that happened in the course of a very long political conflict which, thank God, is now long over. We've had 25 years of peace, that there is no comparison between that and the kind of challenge, and it is an ongoing challenge to our society, that this vicious so-called gangland Mm. um, crime epidemic poses. And I say that as somebody who represents 
find communities, the best of people for whom this is a daily scourge. Uh, I might come back to our, our dealing of historical conflicts in just a few minutes, but um, I want to ask you, and I'm mindful that you're obviously very busy and we were even discussing before you came on air about how busy you are around Ordesh season. So I'd imagine I know the answer to this, but have you had time to read Shane Ross's book? <laughs> I have dipped in and out of it. Um but no, it hasn't. It hasn't been top of my my reading list, Gavin. No. Uh, why did you decline to give him an interview when he sought one for compiling the book? Well, I thought it peculiar that he wanted to write a book about me. To be perfectly honest with you, I thought if it was on the basis of um, achievement of high office, that it was premature. Um, but I also think that it was it was almost the equivalent of me on my holiday, my summer holidays, deciding that I'd write a biography of the Taoiseach and then contacting him and asking him, would he give me an interview or would he like to participate? So it, I thought w- it was peculiar. Which, so which is more peculiar than you being the subject or him being the author? Well, I think both, uh, in all fairness. Um, so that that okay. was my, my reasoning and my are, are you bothered by the book existing at all? Well, look, I mean, people are entitled to, to write books and as the, as the fellow says, paper never refuses ink. I mean, we live in an open and a free society. People can write books on mm. whatever they want, but uh, it's not actually a biography of, of, of me. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I feel that um, Shane um, has brought his sort of political worldview to things and that's fine. And I've seen excerpts from the book. And yeah. Um, Shane also writes in the introduction of the book that he approached several other members of the Sinn Féin Parliamentary Party about asking if they give interviews. And a lot of them originally, much like yourself, said that they'd go away and think about it. Mm. And then they all universally came back and said, no, they'd rather not be involved. Was that anything that you had any involvement in? No, absolutely not. And can can I just say, just as people are entitled to write whatever book they want, nobody is obliged to participate. Mm. You know, no, I mean, that's how this works. Mm. So, uh, no, I mean, I, I didn't participate in it, but I, I said to him at the time I wouldn't put up mm. any barriers. But there was no no uh, suggestion to other members of no, the Sinn Féin party no, no. that they would be better if they didn't. Gavin, I am very, very busy. Very busy, as you have <laughs> acknowledged. I have far bigger things, mm. more important things to be to be bothering mm. me and, and well, likewise for my colleagues. Yeah, well, you're, you're not averse to giving interviews. You're here today. You're going yeah. out to RTE in, in a little while as well. Um, have you given an interview or have you been asked for an interview for Ethan Moore's book about the party which is due to come out in the coming months? Not not that I'm aware of. Because no. um, sometimes it might look like if the, the party is reticent to give interviews in certain circumstances that maybe you are um, almost hostile to any kind of biography or any history absolutely of yourselves in the party that isn't written internally. No, absolutely not. And... Um, the the only worthwhile kind of books that can be written about the party are books, in my own view, that are in fact written externally, and we have participated in, and um, people have given interviews for books before. But it's on a case by case basis, and that it's a matter of people's availability and their willingness to participate. Okay. Um, there's an ongoing live legal matter which I won't go too far into obviously it's a matter of public record that you're pursuing a case against RTE over matters that were broadcast uh, in, in the recent past. You and the party have denied that you make a practice of this as an element to try and quell any discourse in the public medium. Um, there's other parties though that say that some of what Sinn Féin has taken issue with and some of what it has pursued legal remedy over is stuff which is 
straightforward cut and thrust stuff that other politicians have a thick enough skin to be able to just shake off and they don't have to go legal over Listen, I have a very thick skin and I'm I'm at this a very long time and lots has been said and acres has been written about me and my colleagues. Uh, So it's not a case of anybody being uh, precious. But there are circumstances in which a line is crossed and there has to be an understanding. The cut and thrust of politics is fine. We're at the cut and thrust of politics day in, day out, Gavin. Mm. You witness that. Mm. But where lines uh, are crossed... Uh, people need to understand that you cannot simply say or publish whatever you want uh, about whoever you want. And and that's the issue. This isn't an issue of trying to quell anything. We're up for the political fray. We enjoyed mm. the political debate. We're part of it. It happens all of the time. And it's certainly, I absolutely respect the need for an open and free media, for a free press. That's absolutely essential. But you do not have to have you know, slurs, defamation and attacks on people's character to sustain political cut mm. and thrust or to sustain a free but, but and open But does it always have to press. go down a legal route of seeking remedy no, that way? Uh, no, not always. Uh, far from it. Um, final question for you, and this, this harks back to something we were discussing a little earlier on. Um, you've said in the past in, in, in interviews with me and with others um, that you're willing to talk to anyone on the other side of the next election whenever that is. Mm-hmm. You won't take anything for granted. You'll fight it on its own merits and then you'll see where you are afterwards and that you're not so much focused on, and I hope I'm paraphrasing you correctly here, that you're not so much focused on the, the people that you'd be governing alongside so much as the programme that you hope to implement. I hope that's a fair way of doing it. Um, some of your prospective coalition partners have said that they would have far less concern about governing with Sinn Féin if Sinn Féin's stance on the legitimacy of the state as it stands right now were clearer. That Sinn Féin obviously aspires to replace the state, the two states we have on this island with a single 32-county republic. That's a matter of public record. Do you acknowledge the legitimacy of the state as it stands right now in the meantime? Gavin, the, the entire peace arrangement is built on the fact that we have two jurisdictions. I live in the real world. I'm a Dubliner. I was born in this state. It's as much my place as anybody else's. Um, there doesn't have to be some kind of benediction of me to make me somehow palatable to others who seem to believe, by the way, because they've run things for a century, that this is their place and their domain. We live here too. And in fact, our ambition to remove a partition, to reunify the country is a constitutional objective mm-hmm. of the 1937 Constitution. It's provided for in the Good Friday Agreement. Mm-hmm. So for me, this argument that, that's advanced, if it's advanced by them, mm. is entirely um, a smoke and mirrors effort at blocking, confusing, diverting from the type of fundamental change that needs to happen to make people's lives better. Okay. So you, you think that the acceptance and signing up to the Good Friday Agreement is, is an acceptance Everybody, that there are two states on the island in the meantime anyway? Gavin, Gavin, we are organised in both jurisdictions. Michelle mm. O'Neill, my colleague and our deputy leader, mm. is the First Minister mm. designate in uh, the northern and, jurisdiction. And your party has sought so the presidency of the state in the that? meantime. But Absolutely. So what's unclear about that? That seems to me to be, with all due respect, if it's advanced yeah. by others, uh, to be, um, a, apart from a distraction, also mm. rather silly. 
but they, they would take issue with the fact that you mentioned that you organise in two jurisdictions. You, you refer to it as the 26 county organisation yes. and the 6 county organisation. Yeah. Sometimes your party is loath to even to refer to those two jurisdictions by their legal names. But, but sure, are we, are we not entitled to use the words that we want? I don't, surely to God it's not in dispute that there are 26 counties and there are six counties and the 26 plus six equals 32. I hope we're not going down mathematical uh, rabbit holes no. on, 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 in that respect. Well. <laughs> so with all due, can, can I say this? There are very, very serious issues that we need to deal with. There are very, very serious things that this government is failing at. So I think, in in my own humble view, going off on crazy distractions like that suits those who don't want to discuss the actual substantive politics of now or the prospect of the things that we can achieve together. I'm not interested in that. If that's a concern for them... I'm sorry okay. that that's a concern for them, but they're going to have to kind of grapple with that on their own because I'm not going to get drawn into really rather frivolous okay. distractions of debates. Well, before like we that. get down into a further arithmetic hole, we will leave it there. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming in to Thank see us you, today. Gavin. Mary Lee MacDonald, Sinn Féin TD and leader of the party uh, based in Dublin Central. On the record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation on News Talk.